to a chapter three. You know, I don't know what it was, but when there was a phrase there referring to Jesus' death on the cross, and I think I understood it correctly, and it was worded this way, death by love. Did you catch that? Death by love? And I just thought, yeah, a lot of, you know, we hear about, you watch the movies about how people die in various ways, and, and Jesus died by love. And, and it, honestly, that is so profound. We, we honestly think that Jesus being crucified, we always think of the evil men. He was betrayed by Jesus. He, he was crucified by a Roman centurion and, and his men. But the truth is, Jesus says he lays down his life of his own choosing. And that choice was one of love. And I'm just going to encourage you today, um, as you go through your week, understand that Jesus chose that death for you. And that death was death by love. Amen. And so I, I want you to think about that as you go through the week. Anyway, Joshua chapter 3. Do you guys like the, what they did with the cross back here? Isn't that awesome? And they can change the colors, of course. And the reason why we did this, uh, I believe it was Josh Nolet who came up with the idea of this, is because... If you see our logo, it's all about the cross, and it's transforming lives by the power of the cross. And we thought of no better way to express what our vision of this church is as we see lives being transformed by the power of the cross, but to demonstrate it in this very artistic way. Um, but that is the glory of the cross. Uh, let me open in prayer. Can I do that? Father, we invite you to speak to our hearts this morning because we believe, not just your, the pastor here, but we corporately believe you have a word for us, a very clear, specific word for us that you want to speak to our hearts. And so I'm asking you, God, on behalf of these good people, give us ears to hear. And Father, I believe that you are going to be speaking beyond these words to each individual heart, and I ask you, God, then stir up that word. Stir up. I believe it will be a prophetic word, a profound word, but God, speak to the heart of your people what you are saying and speak so clearly, God, so that every single person who goes through those double doors this morning when we're done has encountered God and the voice of God. Would you please do that, God, in Jesus' name? Amen. Transforming lives by the power of the cross. That's not the title of the sermon. Actually, the title of the sermon is Stepping Into God's Plan. And we will be going through Joshua chapter 3 there in a moment. But I want to just tell you something that happened yesterday morning. Uh, we had about a dozen or so people come 1030 in the morning meeting at my house, Sarah Joy and I kind of tag teaming, leading the evangelism. And I mean, this is something that I've done a lot of in my past, going door to door. And but for many people, it's very new. And when it's new to you, honestly, it's scary. And can I confess something to you? Every time I do it, I'm still scared. But uh, what it is a courage is is faith that has said its prayers. Amen. And so. It, we were gathering together, and Mickey Lana raised her hand, and she said, you know what, this, honestly, this is like the first time I've ever done this, and this is pretty scary. And I said, well, how many of you, is this your first time? And everybody's hand but four went up, and I thought, oh, my. 
Okay, so you four, and I was one of them, you four, and, and by the way, uh, well, I guess Sarah Joy's technically not a teenager anymore. She's, she's 20, right? I got that right, 20. And, but two of them were teenagers, Saxon and May, and I said, okay, guys, you're leading the teams. <laughs> You didn't expect that this morning, but you are. And so Mickey Lana went with one of them. And, and, and this was, I'm sharing this because that was her confession. Th this is scary. I've, I, actually, she had done it before, but it was like, what, 20 years ago. And, but here she is, and she's going out. And here is the awesomeness of God in something. We might think this is so simple, but here she is. And she's, she would like to be able to evangelize at the door. And you were with who? Was it May? May, okay, so you were with May, and May is, you know, Mickey Lana could have said, well, I'll just, I'll just let May talk the entire time that we're out there, which, is, which was like an hour, and I'll just observe. But Mickey Lana didn't necessarily want that, and, and so she, this was just a concern on her heart. So you know what? The very first door that they knocked on that so, they had a chance to speak with someone, the person said, oh, you're with that church that was trying to go door-to-door -door a, a, a several weeks ago. What's his name? Uh... uh Dominic, no, no, Diego, and uh, I was driving, and I think I'm getting the story right, correct me if I'm wrong, but I was just driving, she was driving by or walking by? She was walking by, okay. I was walking by and I overheard this man saying, you can't do this in our community, we're a no soliciting community and you're not allowed to go door to door. And so I got a phone call and I said, okay, guys, look, our desire here is to spread the love of Jesus. And right now that might be a little hard. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go online. I want you guys to go out in like next, the next day or two days from now, but I'm going to give you some material. So I got three articles that talked about a 2002 Supreme Court ruling that said churches, things doing with politics and Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, non, you know, nonprofit fundraiser type things. They can do this. And, and no community can say they can't. No city or township can say they can't. Supreme Court said, yes, you can. Two thumbs up. And so we equip them to do this. And here this lady is standing at the door and she says, I saw you. And, and that man just, he absolutely did not want to say that he did not want you to do it. The HOA, this, that, and the other. And we are God almost type of thing. And she said, I am so glad to see that you refuse to be defeated and that you're going out and you're still doing this. And Mickey Lana said, man, that was like exactly what I needed. And the lady was probably around 80 plus years old. Okay. Go do this. Go do this. Because you're bringing the word of the Lord to these people. And Mickey Lana is saying, okay, terror, fear, you're done. And so I, I'm just going to encourage us many times for us, God begins to lead us in a way that we have not been before. Has anyone ever done something that you have never done before? Raise your hand. <laughs> Hello, that should be every hand. We have all been there, done that. You know, how about your first job that you ever did and the boss asked you to do something, took you like 20 seconds to show you what to do and it was very complicated and you're thinking, ah, oh, I can't do this. And you, you just, you want him there, stay right there and watch me as I, am I doing it right? And yet he walks away or she walks away and there's fear, okay? And many times God invites us to do something and instead of being filled with faith, we're filled with fear. 
Now, this was the temptation for the Israelites, and Joshua would have nothing to do with it, but God realized, because this is the shepherd's heart of God, God's heart was to gently lead them. Gently lead them. That is the heart of God your Father. But I'm going to tell you this right now, that he is going to lead you in a way that you have not been before. And my question to you is, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to pray that for someone? Oh, God, you must be meaning my husband, or you must be meaning my, ch- my, my wife, or you must be meaning uh, this person in the church, but I couldn't do that. And I'm going to challenge you. I'm sorry, but you are wrong because God is going to speak to some hearts this morning. And I believe that if he's not calling you into a new direction, that God is going to be presenting a new door of opportunity for you. Because I believe that God has positioned us as a church. And when I say church, I mean corporately, but also individually. God is positioning you for something new. Our problem is we like the old. We like the familiar. Well, whenever you study the great men and women of the past, and I don't believe there is an exception to this, when they did something new and new always came their way, they stepped out in faith, they were not terrified, and they were not discouraged, or at least they tried not to be. God infused faith in them. That's what we see in chapter 2. That's why God had uh, Joshua send out the spies to Jericho and find out, wow, God's reputation has preceded us. And they're aware of all of these things that God had done. I thought we were kind of like in our own little world here as God was parting the Red Sea and sending the manna and defeating these uh, these people groups that you know, we just walked in and, and they were the guys who started it. And actually, if you look in numbers, those kings on the east side of the Jordan, they started it and they I'm sure the enemy, Satan, riled them up and you need to try and take care of Israel because they're God's people and I don't like that. That's Satan's idea. And God said, I'm sorry, you don't realize who you're messing with. And so they took the east side of the Jordan. And it's tempting for them to feel comfortable with what they've already accomplished. They've already conquered the east side of the Jordan. You know what, guys, let's just camp out. This is enough. Let's just distribute the 12 tribes right here and we're good. And and absolutely not. That was not God's vision. It wasn't even his promise. That actually was not the promised land. If you look at the promise uh, that God has gave to Abraham, that was not necessarily a part of it. That was kind of like a freebie God was throwing in there. He said, no, you're taking the land. I want us to read about what God did for the Israelites to step in to that plan of God. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went, went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, You are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards, which is a little more than half a mile, between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, 
Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Can you do me a favor and highlight that phrase, amazing things? For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went on ahead of them. The Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Highlight that phrase if you would stand, go and stand in the river. We're going to come back to that. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, which by the way is revealed in chapter four. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of, Ver of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. I believe that God is truly wanting to do something new and give birth to something new in many of your lives. And I would venture to say in this coming year, all of us, obviously, corporately, God is doing something new. He is doing something new. And so as I go through this sermon, I always look with one eye in observation and interpretation, because that's what, that's what disciples of Jesus and students of the word are supposed to do, and another eye towards application. And then as we go through application, I want you to allow the Spirit of God to speak to you prophetically. And you're hearing Pastor Mike as he is preaching, but the Spirit of God's going to be speaking to your heart and maybe putting a finger on something or dropping a dream or birthing something new in your heart, even while I'm speaking. And I'm not even going to touch on the very thing that he is going to speak into your heart. I am believing this because we as a church and many of us individually are going to be taken down a road and you're going to have an opportunity to either stay on the east side of the Jordan if you follow the illustration, or to cross the Jordan River and go into all that God has for you. 
Now, I really appreciated what Juliana was sharing this morning. I, I don't know if she realized, or did you realize what I was preaching on this morning? Okay, but this is exactly what I'm preaching on crossing the Jordan. And it's too easy for us, and God knows this, to be content with where we're standing. Now, if you'll follow me back to chapter one, this was the temptation for the two and a half tribes, Gad, half the tribe of Manasseh, and Reuben. They were the two and a half tribes that inherited all that land on the east side of the Jordan. They wanted to just camp out there. And I can only imagine that maybe the others thought, wow, that'd be a really cool idea too. We don't even need to fight wars. There's no risk because with war comes what? The casualties. We don't have to experience any of that. This is nice and safe. No risk. That's like me, okay? I love to analyze things to death to reduce risk so that risk no longer exists. But where there's no risk, there's no faith. Is that not right? Now, I'm not talking about risk from a human, from God's perspective, because truly in God's perspective, there's no risk here. There's cost, but there's no risk, because risk implies I don't know what lies ahead, and so I'm kind of taking a chance here. From a human perspective, we believe God, but we don't know the future, but see, God does, and he's got it all wrapped up, and he's going to promise good things for us. And so, yeah, I, I use the term risk, but understand I'm using it from a very human perspective. With risk, then, comes faith. But as we look at this chapter 1, what we also realize, and, and turn with me to verse 10. Joshua chapter 1, verse 10. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan, where? Here to go in and take possession of the landlord you God is giving you for your own. Chapter 2, verse 1, it says they're in Shittim. That's not the Jordan. That's many miles from the Jordan. And so what we realize is that Joshua 1, 10 and 11 immediately segues to Joshua 3, verses 1, 2 and following. What we see here in chapter 2 actually took place before Joshua 1.10. Now, do you see this? Because Joshua 1.10, they're already at the Jordan. But in Joshua 2, they are not at the Jordan, and they send spies out, and they're gone for a minimum of three days. Then they come back. Then they leave and go to the Jordan, and Joshua says, okay, tell the he tells the officers, go throughout the camp and tell them in three days we're going to cross the Jordan. Now we arrive, follow me here, now we arrive in chapter 3, verse <clears throat> 2, and he says, after the three days that Joshua said in three days we're going to cross here, or the officers did, it says after three days the officers went throughout the camp, and now they're giving different orders. Now it's these different orders that I want to focus on. But before we do, let's understand again in chapter two, chapter two, even though chronologically it doesn't follow right into three because it actually happened at some point in chapter one, we are, but the, the purpose suits it well to be exactly where it is because God wants to impart faith and courage to the people and to Joshua. So if you look at that last verse in chapter two, it says, they said to Joshua, it's almost as if the Lord is speaking through these men prophetically to Joshua and thereby to the entire nation. 
They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. Now that is from a human perspective, but really I imagine God's kind of chuckling a little bit. Okay, guys, you're getting a little excited here. The reason why they're in fear, they're melting. It's not because they're melting in fear before you. They're melting in fear before, hello, me, because my reputation has preceded your coming here, but you just need to realize that you are on my side. You're on my side, and wherever I go, you're going to gain victory. Now, that, that's a little strange, isn't it, to say that you are on my side, and wherever I go, you're, you, you, we, we would kind of expect uh, maybe for me to say that God was on their side. But yeah, we're going to look at that in chapter 5, I believe it is. But we're, we need to realize that God, the very first command I imagine it's God speaks to Joshua, Joshua speaks to the officers, the officers now instruct the people, okay, here's how we're going to do this. The Ark of the Covenant is going to go ahead of you because you have never been this way before. All the people, can you imagine two plus million people just about crossing the Jordan River at one time? I'm sure they did not do it single file. It would be chaos. Okay, let's cross the Jordan River as they're spread out, and it's like half a mile wide. Let's just, let's just rush into this river here. And God says, in essence, he's saying, no, 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 I am a God of order, and this is exactly how I need you to do it. And that's what we're going to walk through this morning. I want to walk you through how God led Israel through the Jordan River because this moment highlighted it. How can I say, climaxed 430 or so years of waiting. This, pro this prophecy given to Abraham now fulfilled in this very day, this very moment. The, the, the sense of prophetic fulfillment, the sense of hope, the sense of expectation. This is what we've been waiting for. But they were moving now in a new way. They've never been this way before. 430 years, Abraham may have, but not them. And so here they are. And God, when he led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea, did it entirely different. I wouldn't say entirely, but very differently then he's about to do it here. And can I just encourage you that God wants you to be encouraged by the miracles and the things that he, he's done in your life, but God rarely operates the same exact way as he does in the past. And, and so we want to be encouraged, we want to have faith, but as you move forward in a new direction, don't rely on the past that God is going to do it the same exact way. He didn't do it here. In many places, you can give many examples in which God chooses to do it very differently. The main element, the main thread will always be faith. And so I, I want to, as, as we move into this and this idea of God giving birth to something in us as a church and you personally, I would like you to write something down right now. What is... God speaking to your heart. What is that new thing 
that God is doing. Maybe, like for my son, it's a new job. Josh, a new job. A couple of you, new, new jobs God has given you. And my question to you is this. Why did God give you that job? Yeah, you could go through, could provide finances for school, awesome, work hard. But what else? When all is said and done, why will the, the people at Publix, how will the people at Publix be impacted by Jimmy Curtis? How will the people at the airport be impacted by Josh Nolet? And, and you guys need to ask this question of yourselves. Why am I here? And let the Spirit of God show you some of these reasons. And you may come across some of them, and he may show some of, you, uh, some of them later to you. But God is bringing you through it into a new way. Maybe God is bringing you to a new level of finances. I'm saying that in a positive way, okay? <laughs> Not that things are going to start. No, God, new level, higher level of finances. But if God were to do that, can I ask you, how would you spend your money? You probably need to make that decision right now because when the money starts flowing in, then it is so easy to come up with a hundred reasons why we need to spend that money on ourselves. And I wouldn't disagree with them necessarily, but God may say, I've got a different plan for you. With all of that money, I'm going to be pouring in. So for some of you, and that would be nice, you know, God, I'm, I'm right here. I, I would love for you to do this, but a new higher level of finances. God may be bringing you down that road. What about a platform of ministry? For Mickey Lana here for the first time in 20 years, door-to-door -door evangelism, and for the other uh, eight or so that were, were with her, Never done this before. Some of them were, many of them were teens. They'd never done this before. You know, they, they didn't quite have the boldness Mickey Lana did to say, man, I'm terrified. But I could see it in their eyes. And, and, but God, God wanted to be gentle. And when we got back, like every single one of them, and I didn't listen to all the testimonies, but every single one of them were excited. That fear had been transformed into, wow, God, look what you did. Awesome. And I can guarantee you that most, if not all of them, want to, be, want to do that more and be more a part of God. And, and maybe they just saw how God spoke to people. And next time, they said, man, I want, to, I want to be that person that says something to them. Okay? Maybe it's, so maybe it's a, a, a new platform of ministry. How about in prayer? new platform of ministry and prayer or in, uh, in leadership of, of a variety of sorts or just a new level of ministering in different age groups, et cetera. How about family ministry? Maybe God is going to be taking your family into a new turn, a, a new avenue, a new area of family ministry or maybe it, God ministering through your family, but maybe ministering to your family and in your family. And so we just brainstormed some things. We realized that uh, a lot of stuff is going on. And so one of my kids just said, you know what? Uh, as we're we were talking about what we can do in response to this and drawing closer to the Lord and seeking God, we're talking about fasting. And then someone said, well, how about if we fast media? Just no TV, nothing. And so that's what we did for about a week. And so that was, that was new for us. How about... New open doors of opportunity at work um, that God would open up for you. I'd encourage you, pray for those things every single day. Pray for those people as you're getting to know them. If you're in starting up school here soon, get to know the people in your classroom. This is a new door of opportunity for you. 
If God just transferred you in your, in your job, there are new people there, new boss, there's new opportunities. Be, get to know the people, try and ask God what, how he could use you to reach those people. Pray about these things. But God is also taking us corporately to new areas that I want to discuss maybe a little bit briefly. But the, the truth is, God wants us as a church to impact these neighborhoods. There was something that God began to drop in my heart. Uh, this past Monday night, we went uh, prayer driving and prayer walking. Okay, the weather was questionable, so I just said, if you want a prayer walk, great. If you want a prayer drive, that's perfectly fine too. So some prayer drove and some prayer walked, but the idea is praying on site with insight. And it's amazing as you're walking through a neighborhood or even your, your place of business where you work, by the way, I've done this, um, and just praying, praying for the people, praying for the, the, bot, the, the, the leaders, praying for their finances, asking God to, to do awesome things, opening doors of opportunity to evangelize and so on. Because we were, we were prayer, my little group was prayer walking. And by the way, some of you think that Jose is kind of a, uh, he doesn't talk a lot. But when he was out there praying, he was the loudest of Diego and I praying, by the way. And as we walked by people, man, he was praying like this. And he, he did not quiet down at all. And some people would look at us like, okay that's interesting but he prayed and he prayed boldly but as we were praying through God dropped something in my heart and he, he challenged me to pray for lighthouses I love bringing Jimmy by the way into my little into my study because I have lighthouses everywhere and I'll just sit in my my chair and I'll rotate in the chair as we look at all the different lighthouses and he'll and I say so Jimmy say lighthouse I how Lighthouse, and he'll try to do the best he can. And I say, show me a lighthouse. And he'll say, ah, show me another lighthouse. Then he'll, he'll get down and scamper across the room. And I've got two little magnet, magnetic lighthouses. And he'll reach up for, oh, oh, remember, Grandpa says, no, you can't touch those lighthouses. Ah, so I pull them off and show it to him. Anyways, uh, Rusty. Oh, what did I say? Yeah, when, when I'm, I'm talking about, uh, what, 16 years ago, weren't I here? <laughs> yeah, so the other day, Jimmy was scampering across the room. <laughs> yeah. Rusty, my grandson, scampered across the room. Yeah. I was wondering why you're laughing, because I, I wasn't understanding my own joke, and so... I get it now, haha, -ha, yeah. I'm laughing with you. Thank you for laughing with me and not at me, by the way. And I'll take that one in faith. But so he, lighthouses. And so as we're, as we're walking through this, God just leads me to pray for lighthouses. And, and this is something that he began to show me, that God was going to bring families to, some of them are already saved and he's going to bring them to Powerline. And this is this particular neighborhood. I pray for it for all the neighborhoods, by the way, even the apartment complex. And in your own neighborhoods, for those of you who don't live near here, but lighthouses are places of refuge. They are beacons of light in that neighborhood. And people begin to realize that family is different. They follow God and there's peace in that home. And whenever I talk to that neighbor of mine, they're just filled with joy and I'm, I'm curious. And lighthouses are places of refuge. They're places of prayer. 
They're places for investigative Bible studies where you invite your neighbors and you just go through maybe a six-week little Bible study going through the book of John. And we're going to be probably putting some of that together or finding those because some of you are going to lead investigative Bible studies in some of these neighborhoods. I'm speaking that in faith, and I want some of you, I believe the Spirit of God just spoke to you and said, man, maybe God would use me in that area, and I believe that he is going to. Investigative Bibles, this is something Meredith and I were exposed to when we were in college, and she had done some of them. Actually, that's how her best friend came to Christ. Uh, but it, and, and these lighthouses are places of truth and peace and joy. These, these lighthouses stand in the neighborhood to bring hope. And it is a reputation that God begins to develop and to the point where we were going door to door in our neighborhood. And uh, I think this relates. And we knocked on one door and they said, yeah, we're, I guess one of my children was the one uh, doing this, going door to door and passing out flyers. And they said, yeah, we, we just live around the corner. And, and she said, oh, the one in the corner, the party house? <laughs> and she paused, the party house? Well, let me just say, yeah, a lot of people are there and we kind of party. Especially birthday parties. We've got birthday parties like every month. But we, we celebrate God's goodness. And see, we're part of a church. My dad, past, my dad pastors. And, and so when you say party, I mean, this is really what we do. Uh, and so, yeah, we're the party house. <laughs> and we we're, maybe we should pray for that lady and just pray that God stirs and pricks up that her curiosity some more. And uh, because God does this type of stuff. So lighthouses. I believe that God is going to use this church to help establish lighthouses in these neighborhoods. And, and the other word that God is giving me is dominoes. Uh, not dominoes pizza. Um, but you understand the game, not the game dominoes, but when they set up dominoes. How many of you have ever seen a room filled with dominoes before? You hit one domino, and I've seen it in a gymnasium, and it took them a week to put this thing together, a team, a week. And it was down in minutes, but they just tap one, and it's it just, and the camera will follow it. And then it splits off in two, and then comes back together, and up and down, and it goes all over this huge room, this gymnasium in, the, in my case that I saw. It was amazing, but it's one that touches another that touches another. This is what God is wanting to do, and you're the one that God is going to say, I need you to touch this domino, this person, and I want you to speak truth, and don't hold back. Just speak truth. Be God's prophet or prophetess. God, prophets and prophetesses speak truth. They're not concerned about their reputation or what are they going to think about me. They just know this is what God is wanting me to say right now. And you just need to know that you are about to step on this brink of destruction. And I don't know why I'm saying this, but God is saying you need to step away because he's calling you into an intimate relationship with him. And if you would but follow him, he wants to rescue you. I don't know what you're about to step into. I don't know, but this is the word God's given me and you need to follow him today day and there's going to be an urgency in your voice and God is going to speak prophetically through you. you know, I, I, I truly believe that this is what God is going to do in some of your lives. And, and when at the moment that that happens and you're speaking to this person, 
You're going to remember what, what I spoke to you right now, and you're going to say after, after you've said it, oh, my goodness, that was what God spoke to my heart back then when Pastor Mike was preaching on Joshua 3. And he's going to bring it to pass. You know, I need to start preaching this sermon right now. Okay, so let's get into this. The first thing that we need to realize is that the, the ark leads the way. The ark represents the presence of God in their generation amongst them. The Ark of the Covenant was something that was very holy. God was seated on the two cherubim that, that were gathered, that were had their wings spread over the mercy seat. The mercy seat was the gold plate, uh, the gold top of this box made of acacia wood. And and overlaid with gold. And these gold cherubim, cherubim, by the way, in the Old Testament represented those angels uh, that would guard the holiness and the glory of God. You see it in Ezekiel, you see it in Genesis 3, you see it throughout the Bible, cherubim. And, and God was seated on these cherubim, was seated, past tense. On that ark, God's presence he was holy, and for that reason, they placed, God had them place the Ark of the Covenant when they finally reached the promised land and set up the, the tent of meeting. They would place that Ark in the Holy of Holies or the most holy place because God's holiness and man's sinfulness could never be located in the same place. For the very same reason, sinful man can never gaze upon the perfections and the glory of God. If we were to do that, every single one of us would die. That won't happen in heaven. Curse will be lifted, sin will be gone. We won't be filled with sin, but we'll be filled with his presence and holiness, and we will gaze on his beauty. But here, the point is, in the Old Testament, this is awesome, church. In the Old Testament, there was this separation of God from man. This, I am holy and you are not. And it was a constant reminder. God is holy, but the people of God are not. That as we move into the New Testament, because we have been, if we have received the righteousness of Jesus Christ, because now we are in Christ, he has imparted or the, the theological term people use mostly is imputed. His righteousness has been imputed to us through the gospel. We don't stand in our own righteousness because that would ne not nearly be sufficient. We stand in Christ's righteousness and therefore this wall of separation is gone. It no longer exists. Remember when Jesus was dying on the cross, he said, it is finished. Do you remember what happened? There was an earthquake, rocks split. It even says that people who had died came out of their graves. Would that not be awesome? But it also says that the veil of the temple was torn in two and God was speaking something profound and prophetic to his New Testament church that was being birthed and he was saying there is no longer going to be this separation from the holy and the unholy because I will be making you holy and so even though in the Old Testament we see this separation he says you need to stand you need to stand your distance and keep at least a half a mile from me that was the word of the Lord to them, church. We not only are, can be right there in the very presence of God, 
But God now actually dwells in us. We are, in essence, mobile arcs of the covenant. God has written his covenant on our hearts. He indwells us and seals us with the spirit. Having believed, you are marked in, with a, marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. He indwells you. You are his temple, a holy dwelling in which he has chosen to live. And so here we are. We are now this mobile ark of the covenant, whereas in the Old Testament, separation. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is we now move into the New Testament. We are invited into God's presence, we are invited in this intimacy with God. And so when it comes for us to cross our Jordan River, there is not this God is over here, the transcendent God over there, but it is all about the imminent and the personal God here, here in me. And we walk with him and commune with him. First Corinthians 2 says we actually have the mind of Christ. We can hear God. He directs us. He leads us. Sometimes in very obvious ways, and yet others in very subtle ways. But he leads us. And he is leading us as a church corporately and individually in a new way. And we must follow him. We don't want to just sit down and come up with the coolest strategies or the, 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 the most relevant way to reach this generation. Though God may speak some of those things, we need to hear from him. And what is God speaking to you? How are you to be called? How is he calling you to cross this Jordan to lead you in a way that you have never been before? You've got to, you have to receive from him. And it is going to come from the truth of God's word. And if anything, you think God is speaking to you and it runs contrary to the word of God, can I assure you that is not God? It will always be in accordance with his truth. It will be in, God will also speak to you through godly counsels, through spiritual leaders, through mothers, fathers. This is how God speaks. He can also speak very clearly very prophetically and profoundly to your heart right now. God's presence. We do not need to keep our distance. Actually, we are invited into this intimate relationship in which the command is do not, or the command is not stand your distance, but go near, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Maybe the question we need to ask ourselves is, am I a good follower? Are you a good follower? Do you, do you seek to listen to the master's voice? Are you a good follower? I'm praying that God gives birth to those lighthouses and that God is going to use you to help birth some of these things. Some of you, you're going to go out into the neighborhood. Some of you, it, maybe that's just too intimidating or maybe the time isn't there and you're going to be, you're going to be establishing lighthouses in your workplace. Did you ever think of that? Many workplaces 
have little Bible studies or investigative Bible studies or uh, just little prayer times or just times that they get there. They're going to on lunch break together, the five of them, they get together and they just choose a subject, something that tends to be evangelistic so that those that come in during lunch break can listen in. But what can you do to maybe it's just one on one. And you engage in conversation with others, talking about the Lord. I remember one time my friend and I, I'm going off here on this, but one of my close friends, this is way back in my college days, and he and I went to the park, and we were just throwing the ball around and, you know, hitting and such. And so we carried on a conversation, and there was someone who was in the outfield playing with his kids and such. And so I said, so Bob, Bob, some of you have met Bob Simmons. I said, Bob, tell me, mate, how did you get saved? And so Bob is speaking really loud. And he says, Mike, you're not going to believe this, dude. But, uh, man, I was so lost in my sin and, you know, doing this stuff. And one day your older brother, Dan, came up to me and he challenged me to follow Jesus. And he shared the gospel with me. Really, Bob would tell me, what is the gospel? And we just did this. And he, you know, he's, he's sharing the gospel. And there's no way that this guy in the outfield didn't hear us. But as you're, I'm not saying you have to talk real loudly in your place of work, or, but you, you can just have a casual conversation as you're talking and sharpening. Uh, I, there have been many conversations that I have had in which I was talking with someone. I was at SSC, and I was just talking with someone, trying to find out about the religious organizations on campus, and I began to share the gospel with her. And this guy, he kept on coming in from a classroom to this uh, little round office table thingy. And as I was talking with this girl who was helping me, I would notice when he would come out, he would look this, kind of look halfway this way, and he would pause. And he wouldn't be doing anything. And then he would you know, gather and he'd go back in. And finally, he came out like the second or third time. And he says, so you're a Christian? And I say, yeah, I am. And he began to ask me, if you're a Christian, then what about this? And what about this? And he began to ask me uh, apologetics type of questions. How do you know there's a God? How do you know that Jesus is this? Why should I trust the Bible? And long story short, this guy, about a year later, and, and he, he did this without me knowing it. I, I met with him at Denny's and talked about more than a carpenter, written by Josh McDowell, Evidence for the Christian Faith. Never saw him. A year later, he calls me and said, Mike, I just want you to know I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, and God's called me into full-time ministry. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but uh, I'm going to be going to this seminary, blah, blah, blah. Thank you for just being a part of that. And he totally called me out of the way. I had no idea where he got my number, but he called me. What a blessing that was. I just, I'd forgotten, uh, I'd forgotten his name. And, and it, God just spoke that. But it, it was just a ca casual conversation that I was having with this girl that he overheard. And God is going to do some of this stuff. You see, I mean, well, I'm, I'm trying to sh help you see that this truly can be so simple. Um, you don't have to be terrified at a person's front door that I'm going to encourage some of you to do that. But God, God's going to bring some people in here and you're going to minister to them. But God is going to use you and he's going to use you in a new way. And he's going to do this as you are drawn closer in intimacy with him. But the, the thing that we see next, the second thing that we see in verse 5 is he says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And, and there were many similarities to the parting of the Jordan as there was with the Red Sea, but then again, very different. 
The Bible says about the Red Sea that the, the water is piled up in a heap to the right and to the left. For the parting of the, the Jordan, it was just to the right as they crossed over this way to, towards the west. It actually stopped some, they don't know exactly where Adam is, uh, the city Adam, but it was about 20, possibly as much as 30 miles upstream. Now, here's the incredible thing is they, I'm going to jump ahead of me. I don't want to do that. Um, I got 15 minutes. Okay. The challenge here is before they were to do this and God was going to stop the Jordan River, they needed to consecrate themselves. Can I just encourage you, for many of you, when you think of the term consecration, you think of some religious ceremony. You think of, oh my goodness, yes, I've got to stop doing these bad things. And I'm not going to dismiss that because that is in essence part of what holiness is, okay? Hating what is evil, but it's clinging to what is good. And so here's what I want you to hear Pastor Mike saying to you right now. We need to be careful that consecration isn't all about stop doing those things. Don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, because consecration is a dedication, it is a devotion, to that which is good, to Jesus Christ, to his kingdom and the principles of his, walking in the spirit, doing these things that are good, not just not doing the things that are bad. We can so focus on that. And I'm not saying you, sh you shouldn't. I'm not saying, hey, just dive into sin. Your pastor's not saying that. You hear me, right? But he is saying, stop getting so caught up in the don't do this, don't do this, but be caught up. And this is what, this is the path that I'm called, that I'm being called to. If you you're gonna, if you're on a long hike, and I did this for three days up in the presidential ridge of, of uh, New Hampshire with my dad and two of my brothers, and we went on this hike for three days, and there were just certain things that we did and we didn't do. But for us to survive, I could not just simply live on the one command, don't eat the red berries, all right? Uh, red berries, they were poisonous. Don't eat them. Okay, great. So how am I supposed to survive? Just don't eat the red, no, how do I survive? Don't eat the red berries. That's great. If I eat the red berries, maybe I'll die. So that's a good thing, don't eat the red berries. But how am I gonna survive? What do I eat? Do you see what I'm saying? Walking in the kingdom is not all about don't eat the red berries. Walking in the kingdom is about serving Jesus and following him and doing what he desires you to do. There's a pathway. There's a lot of do's. There's a lot of let's do this, move forward. Let's cross the Jordan that God wants to speak into your heart. And it's, it can actually become, I want to say this carefully, it can actually become a distraction to be so focused on the things we shouldn't do that we never do what God wants us to do. Just don't get caught, don't eat the red berries. You hear what I'm saying? Don't eat the red berries, you'll die, okay? It's poisonous. But that's not how you live, all right? That, that might be how you can live longer, don't eat the red berries. But the idea is that God has so much in store for us to do. And my notes just suddenly got jumbled here. Here we go. I found my place. Just one other thing, because I need to go through this quickly. Be careful of the good. 
You heard me right. Be careful of the good. Because sometimes the good is the enemy of the best. We can think that this is a good idea. And we settle for the good. It's a good idea to work hard and earn as much money as we can. And I would commend that. That's great. God, God loves his people to work hard. But does that mean you don't incorporate building his kingdom? Does that mean you get so focused on working 18 hours a day to earn money that you neglect your family? Does that mean that you neglect your wife? Does that mean that you don't reach out to your neighbors or your people at work? Work hard. But the best is what Martha, Mary did, sitting at the feet of Jesus, hearing his voice. Mary served. I'm sure she did. Martha was caught up in the good, but not the best. And Jesus commended Mary for doing the best. There's so much more that could be said on that. Forgive me. I hope that did not confuse you. But many times, God is inviting us down this road, and we're too satisfied with the east side of the Jordan. You need to cross over, my friends. Cross over. It's so much harder. It truly is. For example... When he says here, the, people, the Levites are going to carry the Ark of the Covenant and the Jordan River is not going to stop flowing until you priests put your foot in the water and stand in the river. Now, I don't think that God did it. This. I don't think God just had them ankle deep in water and just wait there. Okay, all right. A couple hours later, the water's going down. Okay, wow, God really is doing a miracle here. Let's move forward. Because to me, that's not standing in the water. That's not standing in the river. Standing in the river means you get your feet wet, you get your knees wet, your hips wet, you're, you're up to your shoulders, and you drown if God doesn't do a miracle. And this is what he was getting at. You're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And by the way, God would not allow his Ark of the Covenant to get wet. God's presence. He, he, anyways, so they had to step into the water. And when they stepped into the water, the water began to immediately go down. It began to immediately go down. I want you to think about this. The Jordan River is about 180 feet wide and about double that at flood stage. And it's flood stage. And by the way, isn't it interesting? God could have stopped the Jordan River when it was this, the non-flood stage, when it was the easiest to cross, and yet he chose the most difficult time to cross the Jordan River, when the people would look at it and it's like three to 400 feet across, and it's like, God, you've got to be kidding. Let's just wait until the harvest is done, the rains have stopped, maybe the end of summer. We can, we can camp out here. It's been 40 years. We can wait a few more months, right? Come on. And God is saying, no, I am moving now. Can you come with me now? Not tomorrow, not four months from now, now. 
And this did something to them because they had to step into the river. So not only is it three to 400 feet across now at flood stage, but God chooses to, and, and, and it's not just flowing like four or five miles an hour, it's flowing like 10 miles an hour. Some of us, it's hard to run that fast. And that's how fast this river is going, okay? And as soon as they step in, the water starts to go down. Now, if Adam is 20 to 30 miles upstream, when did God have to stop that river? So that when they began to step in, the water started to go down? Probably one to two hours. Well, closer to two hours, maybe three hours earlier. God, this is cool. God began doing a miracle before they stepped in. But when they stepped in, God, in his sovereignty, anticipating this was going to happen, he stopped the river before they stepped in so that when they stepped in, the water began to go down. You see... God is inviting you in on this journey, and it is a new way, but God is totally in it. And he is not going to let you down. He is not going to dis disappoint you. He is not going to allow you to go through these incredible hurts. God is going to work on your behalf. And so he encourages us, even though you look around and he is saying, I want you to step into the river. You're thinking, you got to be kidding me, Really? This is, is going to sweep me off my feet. God, I'm carrying your holy ark here. You don't want, you, wait, just block the river and then we'll cross over. God didn't do it that way. And then the last thing that we see is when they do this is they stand in the middle of the river on muddy ground, right? Wasn't there a lot of mud? Then they sink down to their knees and they were standing on what kind of ground? Dry ground, exactly as it was with the parting of the Red Sea. Dry ground. And sometimes this fear that God, God, God's like, do you remember all that fear? Remember all those what if questions? And by the way, we don't see any of those what if questions, so I am speculating here. But can you imagine the what if questions? What if it doesn't stop right away? What if I'm carrying my little child here? What if, I mean, on and on, and God is saying, man, all of those what if questions, they were totally invalid. Because I am God. And I'm God in your situation. Can you trust me in this new way that I am leading you in? But he says this. Yes, even though obstacles like flood stage, all of the what-if questions. Church, large obstacles in your pathway does not mean that God is not in it. Actually, can I say this? They would not have encountered any obstacles that, that, I can see, that I could see if they stayed on the east side of the Jordan. No obstacles. That's just not where God wanted them. They encountered all of their, after the Og and, and, and the, the other Amorite kings were destroyed, there, there, was, there were no obstacles. It was as they moved forward in God's will that they encountered the obstacles. Large obstacles does not mean you are not doing God's will. Actually, what I personally have found is the more you walk in the center of God's will, guess what? The more obstacles you are going to encounter, which also means that when we are doing God's will, who's going to remove those obstacles? God is going to do that. God is setting you up so that by faith, he can work his awesome, mighty, powerful, amazing grace. Because God will do amazing things when you do this. 
That's, that's what he told them. Tomorrow, I'm going to do amazing things, but consecrate yourself today. And as you step out in faith, just watch what I do. For some of us, time is an obstacle. Can I just tell you this? That if time is an obstacle and, okay, so you don't have time to go door to door, that, that's, that's fine. Then what are you doing in your busyness, in the busyness of your life? What are you doing there to extend God's kingdom? Alexandra was sharing a story with Meredith and I of what happened at her workplace that I'm not going to go into the details of because I haven't asked her if I could. But she, she, her boss, apparently there's a, a new owner to the business, and there's just a lot of fears that this woman is going through. And, and Alexandra had an absolutely God moment in which this, she had an opportunity to minister to this woman. And it, it was awesome how God just, she, God just set it up. Because you know, Alexandra was looking for an opportunity. Christ is in me. The Bible says he's the hope of glory. How can I share him? And here's this opportunity. I can share him here. And so she began to, to, to talk. And, and not, it wasn't just Alexandra. It was another person um, who, who actually had been leaving the business, came and ministered the love of Jesus. And this woman is being overwhelmed as Alexandra's ministering Jesus to her. So if you find yourself very, very busy, then in your busyness, whatever you're doing in your busyness at that moment, how are you seeking to share Jesus? How are you seeking to minister to people? God will always give us these opportunities. He always will. That is his nature. So we step into this Jordan River in a way that we have never been before, there are, hard, there are huge obstacles, and if God doesn't come through, you will be swept off your feet and you will die. I don't know about you, that's an obstacle, to, that'd be an obstacle to me. But my Bible tells me in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, now unto him, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. He says, now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him not to you awesome job great way to step out in faith God used you as a mighty man or woman of God no to God to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations which would include this generation forever and ever Amen. God wants, as you're praying, God wants to do even more than what you're praying for. Your heart for the lost, God's heart is greater. As you're weeping in his presence to rescue your, your neighbor or your lost family member, God, if I could word it this way, God's heart is grieved and broken even more. God wants to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Not a little bit more, immeasurably more, because that is his heart for you. As you go down this new way, a scary way, obstacles are in the way, 
if, if you move, if you continue and not be terrified or be discouraged, if you continue to move in this way, God will stop the river. God will move the obstacle. That is his nature. Why? Because it's within his nature and who he is to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine. Now, I don't know about you. I can imagine a lot. And when I pray, I do. I imagine a lot. But God's heart is to do more than that. More than that. The crossing of the Jordan was a foretaste of what God was going to do. Amazing things through Joshua in this Joshua generation. Can you stand with me? And if God has spoken to you, and for some of you, he's going to speak as we close in prayer even, but could you do me a favor, yourself a favor, but could you just jot down, before you leave, just jot down, what did the Holy Spirit just speak to me? What is your Jordan River? What is your promised land? What is this new way that God is beginning to birth in you? I'm beginning to get a feel for what this new way is for us as a church. And you're all aboard on that. Spirit of God, would you please speak clearly? And if it's a hazy picture, would you begin to focus that picture in our hearts, God? What are you doing? Don't let us be terrified. God, for some of us, you are expanding our shoulders for greater responsibility because you want to use us more in your kingdom. Then may we be faithful. Would you birth this thing, these things in our hearts, this new way? Would you lead us, God? By your spirit, your presence as you lead us, God, that we would follow. Help us to be good followers, God. Forgive me, God. I, I am such a questions answer, and I want all the questions answered first. And I'm just telling you right now, God, it's okay if you don't answer my questions. I will still follow you. And I will still do what you want me to do no matter the obstacles. Give me faith for that, though, God, please. And for a faith for every single one of us. As we pray, as we press into you, God, do immeasurably more than all that we're asking, the sum total of every prayer that we have presented before your throne of grace as we are moving in this new way, in this new job, in this new school, in this new uh, direction, ministry, whatever it is, God, would you make a way where there seems to be no way? Would you do immeasurably more than all of these things that I've been asking because I'm so focused right now and there's so much more that you have in this picture that I don't see, but just help me as I walk down this road, God, in this new way that you are calling me to. And would you impart faith to me, God, please? Cause not fear to grow. As you expand my, my fish tank, you expand 
the capacity for faith in me. God, may it be filled with faith. May my life be filled with faith that every turn, God, may I find that I am trusting you in new ways I've never trusted you before. And I am asking you, God, that you would bring to pass immeasurably more than what we're asking for. Bring these things to pass, God. Father, I, I pray for those in which you are expanding their financial resources that right now today they would decide how they would treat those finances should you bless them three times over financially. Father, with opportunities to share Christ, that our hearts would grow in faith and that we would be willing to share Christ in every opportunity not just the convenient ones, but every opportunity you give me. May that be our prayer. Our hearts are submitted to you, God. We are consecrating ourselves to you, totally dedicated to your ways. Lead us, God. And fill us with faith in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. Have an awesome, awesome weekend. And, and can I just say this? As you are fellowshipping around and, and talking with people, don't hesitate to ask them, so what did God speak to you during the sermon today or during the worship? Um, what is it that God you feel might be leading you to this new way? And can I just encourage you? Do not be surprised as you're talking that God might actually give you a word for that person, okay? Anyway, have a super day. God bless you. I guess we'll see you then Wednesday evening. Awesome.